0: Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Thanks for listening! This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. To claim your one month free trial, visit freeagent.com being freelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for copywriter
1: Kelly Dunning. In the beginning I was writing for really low rates. And I was happy to get that because I didn't have any previous writing experience. It was like a ladder. I started at the bottom rung and then I climbed one rung at a time. My mom actually sent me a link to this website that was looking for writers remotely. This sparked this idea in my head. like. I could be a writer online so that people would pay me, and then I could do that from anywhere. It wouldn't matter if I was in New Zealand or Timbuktu, and we've sold all of our stuff, packed all of our bags, and since then, we've been traveling. When you have a freelance career, it is like a never-ending, ever-growing, changing project that you are always working on. To see that as a positive, that is the best kind of mindset shift that I ever made. So yes,
0: there is Kelly, the very first episode of season seven of Being Freelance. It is almost exactly four years since I started this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We've got loads of great guests coming up to start 2019. As I record this, I realise you could be listening to this many years into the future. But if you are listening to this as it goes out, I hope you had a great end to 2018, a great start to the year as well. Kelly, coming up in a moment, is a Canadian copywriter. Well, as in she's a copywriter from Canada. She's not like, she doesn't just write for Canadians. Anyway, she is a Canadian copywriter, but importantly, is location independent. She's a digital no band. She travels while freelancing and has been for years. So looking forward to hearing her story. That coming up in a moment. Don't forget, beingfreelance.com is the place to go to check out all of the articles, the videos that I create. uh, Also, over 150 episodes that have been going out over the past four years. So go take a look there. If you've not done it before, sign up to the newsletter, take a look around. And also, while you're there, you'll also find links through to all of the other guests. So go take a look at beingfreelance.com. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for copywriter Kelly Dunning. Hey, Kelly. Hello. Where are you right now?
1: At the moment, I'm in Macedonia.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's quite far removed. Well, let's find out how you got to where you are, both geographically, but also, more importantly, as a freelancer as well. How did you get started being freelance?
1: Oh, that's a really long story. Um, see, I'm a freelance writer. I think I always knew that I wanted to be a writer from when I was really young. And my first ever sort of publication was when I was about 10 or 11 years old. I had one of these, you know, big... You know the big Macintosh classic, the big beige box of a computer that takes up your whole desk, and like those printers, the dot matrix printers that sort of scream as they print <laughs> out things. And I had one of them in my bedroom, and I was I wrote this monthly newsletter that I sent out to all my subscribers. That like I printed it out and photocopied it and, and sent it out by mail, and it had uh, jokes and stories and little bits of poetry and um, updates about my cat and things like that and it was it was quite a publication and uh, I had a little list of subscribers which was probably just like my cousins and some friends from school but um, I even had a short story contest in there as well and uh, people wrote in with their stories and I chose a winner and the winner won a gift certificate to the bookstore that I bought with my babysitting money (laughs) so like from a very early age I knew that I wanted to be a writer and do this kind of thing and of course you know then then I grew up and then the internet became a thing and I I had websites ever since I was like a kid Uh, ever since I was like 13 or 14 I was making my own websites you know and then when I got to I got to university and I'm trying to think of a career and went to school, went to university, but didn't actually learn anything from that about how to actually make a living, like, as a creative person, as a writer. And all the resources that I found on it were quite outdated and not really relevant for, like, this day and age of the internet and the way that publishing writing is just so different now. So at the end, when I was finished university, I was just fed up and I just went, ah, I just want to go traveling. So... I got a working holiday visa to New Zealand and I just went off to New Zealand and just did random odd jobs while I worked my array around. And so I did everything from like milking goats to <laughs> um, like I worked selling tickets for a pub crawl. I was like fundraising for Greenpeace, which was horrible. Hated that. And, it, and I even was working in an old haunted prison doing like stuff tourism things
0: this already sounds like the truth and lie bit at the end
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i was
0: milking goats working in a haunted prison
1: (laughs) these are all true believe it or not i know i struggled with that i struggled with that part because i have enough weird stories to come up with (laughs) ones that sound like lies but are actually true um (laughs) so in new zealand and that's where i met my where i met my boyfriend who is from england he's from lancashire and i met him in the creepy haunted prison (laughs) I did when I when I first met him um, he was dressed in full zombie makeup (laughs) so that was like love at first
0: look, yeah beautiful yeah
1: yeah and so we met anyway and we were traveling around New Zealand together and I ran out of random weird jobs and I couldn't (laughs) I was in Christchurch and I was struggling to find work and I was running out of money I was like looking through the couch cushions for coins like to buy lunch kind of thing and i was you know the epitome of the broke backpacker and i wanted to travel the world i wanted to be a wandering vagabond but i was tired of like finding odd jobs where i was and my mom actually sent me a link to this website that was looking for writers remotely and at that time like this was 2009 at that time that thing that wasn't really a thing in my head at that point i didn't see that as a concept of something i could do but that link from my mom just sparked this idea in my head. Like I could be a writer online and people would pay me. And then I could do that from anywhere. It wouldn't matter if I was in New Zealand or Timbuktu and I could make money that way. And so I didn't get that job on that particular website that she sent me, but I kept looking and I kept finding things. And I actually signed up for what is now Upwork. Uh, Back then it was Odesk. I made a profile on there and I started looking for jobs. And I got my first writing job and like somebody asked me to write something and I wrote it and then they gave me money. And I was like, this is amazing. This is genius because I saw the potential in it. I saw, I love writing. I've always loved writing. I've been writing since I was a kid and people will pay me to do it. And I can do it from my computer anywhere in the world. That Then that was it. And so I was traveling around New Zealand with this English guy that I'd met in this prison. At one point he was like, I need to go back to England now. My visa's run out, and my you know my brother's getting married, and I've got my time is up in New Zealand. So I've got to go. And he said to me like, because we'd fallen in love at this point, and he was like, oh, I'm really sad, you know. He's like, but you could come with me if you want. And I said, yeah, why not? I'm just going to go to England. He he recently told me we've been together for nine years now. He recently told me that when he said that to me, he did not expect me to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was like you know obviously he wanted me to obviously like it he, but he thought there was just no chance he thought that there was no chance I'd come back with him but I was just like yeah why not because if I don't I will always wonder what could have happened with that mysterious mm. Englishman zombie that I met you know <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't want to live with regret, so I just I just went for it. So then that be, that turns into like stage two of actually making a career out of the writing is when I got to England and I got a working holiday visa for the UK and I got there and I got a job in a nursery with uh, a bunch of little three year olds and that was my day job and on my on the evenings and the weekends I kept on doing the writing and I basically just used the stability and the income of the day job to support me as I you know grew my business started finding clients started marketing myself started you know getting the odd jobs in here and there and after several months it grew to the point where I could go part-time at my day job and do part-time writing and then after a few months after that, I eventually got to the point where I could make full-time income off my writing, so it was about 14 months in total in England. And then at that point when I was full-time writing, we've sold all of our stuff, packed all of our bags, that was like May 2011, and since then we've been traveling.
0: Wow, I love this in so many ways. So when you were finding those clients after you came to the UK, were they still on freelance job sites like Odesk?
1: Yeah, actually they were. A lot of them were from like Odesk, which now is, is upwork and people per hour was bigger back then. I it's kind of has died down. I mean, I did some stuff for like content mill sort of websites and I don't anymore. But in the beginning I was just happy to get the writing work, you know, like in the beginning, I was writing for really low rates. And I was happy to get that because I didn't have any previous writing experience when I started. I had no portfolio to speak of. I guess I had my, my little newsletter that I published when I was 11. But <laughs> that's about it.
0: When you say content mill websites, would are they different to people per hour and upwork then?
1: You know, like the ones where you go on and you sign up and you get approved and then there's just this you log into this system where there's just a ton of just jobs there it's like and you just claim them and then you just write them and submit them
0: ah no one no, no do you know what i don't know that so you know from everything we've heard about before we've heard of you know upwork and and people per hour and freelancer.com and so on but that's where you tend to pitch for jobs or people approach you but you're saying there's a there's a thing where jobs appear and you claim them.
1: Yeah, and the problem is the pay is really low because the way they work is like the company is is pitching for those jobs and then getting them and then just throwing them into this big system of freelancers and and you, you grab them and you do them and you submit them. So you don't have to do any of the work of pitching, but also you're probably getting paid like a pretty low rate, but I learned to go on and, and do them quite efficiently. And, and even if I was in the beginning, in the early years, if I was only making like minimum wage, I was happy because I was making minimum wage writing and not like working in a shop or whatever. You know, I was happier to be writing. But those were the early days. And I just wanted something in my portfolio. And I wanted something to be able to show that I'd done some work and some I get some positive feedback from somewhere. And then from there, I grew. So even in the early months of of freelancing, I started letting go of my lower paying clients and pitching for higher jobs. And it was just like, it was like a ladder. I started at the bottom rung and then I climbed one rung at a time and got higher and higher. And now, you know, I'm making like multiple, multiple times what I made in the first year. Like, and it's kind of amazing freelancing for that because I don't know very many things, you know, jobs, actual jobs that you could take on and you could start at minimum wage and then you could get to making like, you know, like 20 times that, like it's, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, that's true. Without like becoming a manager and, and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so actually your experience putting the content mill style sites to one side, what was your experience of using the job sites where you would pitch for work?
1: Well, actually I still use Upwork. I still find a lot of my clients through it and it's, I actually think it's really great.
0: Do you think that's because you were there really early and you've you built a reputation and so that reputation now helps you when you're pitching for work?
1: Absolutely, because I've been on there like almost nine years now. And my portfolio on Upwork, like my profile on Upwork, I just did my 500th job on Upwork recently. And like my profile is packed with just like hundreds and hundreds of reviews from past clients so when I pitch for a job at Upwork there's a really good chance I'm gonna get it because people look at my profile and they're like whoa she's been around she knows what she's doing and I have a huge advantage is there could be other freelancers who have just made a Upwork profile like a few weeks ago who could be like better than I am but I've got the years and years of of the feedback on that particular platform. So it's like I'm really glad I've been on there for this long because that is such an asset for me.
0: And do you also alongside those sites then have clients in the real world in quotation marks, even if they're working remotely, i.e. people that haven't come from those sites?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's like one of my ways to find clients. But I've found clients through LinkedIn, I found them through connecting on Facebook groups, or, you know, a lot of them come through referrals or word of mouth. I've got a lot of really great clients that way. And people recommending me, you know, people that I work with. So it's just like one of my income streams. And and it's good to have a lot of like leads coming into your business in a whole bunch of different ways
0: how would you go about or how did you go about you know getting work through LinkedIn
1: I've only been doing that recently I've only been doing that the last you know maybe a year or so and I found that just in general for getting leads through like social media and LinkedIn and and other mediums like that. I found that the majority of people, when they go on there, they just go like blah, 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 blah about themselves. And I found that if I take the time to like read other people's posts and then put a thoughtful comment, not only does that person that I commented on notice that, then other people see that and notice that. And like you really stand out when you're not talking about yourself. I've had clients come to me because they read a thoughtful comment that I wrote on someone else's post, and then they clicked through to my profile to see like who I was. Because people love personal connection. They love it when you take the time to read what they've said and, and think about it and, and say something thoughtful back. And it actually stands out because not everybody takes the time to do that.
0: One thing that we haven't addressed yet then is the fact that you both sold everything you had and just decided to hit hit the road so like how have you found working on the road for what like 9 years or whatever we're at now like how's how's that been how have you found it best to to balance working and having fun traveling
1: it's been amazing <laughs> like it has been the most incredible Experience that I could like the best possible way I could have spent my twenties because I just wanted to see everything and and do everything and live in other cultures and and see the wonders of the world and and also have a rewarding and exciting career and I've been able to do both and I feel it's like I get to eat have my cake and eat it too and it's so great and it it, it has been difficult like there has been times where I've like you know, been on, you know, a 16 hour bus journey and then have to finish writing a 2000 word blog post and that same day. And I'm just like my exhausted. And there's been times when I've been sick or we've been lost or, you know, it's been delays or just travel can be stressful and freelancing can be stressful. So you combine the two and you can have some difficult situations, but also it's so worth it. And the great thing that we've learned about traveling and working is that you just travel as slowly as possible. So like if we just stay in places for like a week to two weeks, we don't feel any rush or any pressure to zoom through 10 countries in three months kind of thing. We just take it really slow. And if we feel like if I get a particularly busy week or all of the deadlines come in at once, and I haven't had enough time to see the city that I'm in. I'm not going to leave. I'm just going to stay a few days more and take my time and, and go see it. You know, just like the schedule is always really, really flexible. And that flexibility allows us to kind of work around the unpredictability of the work. What about
0: the logistics of dealing with clients and getting paid and stuff like that?
1: It's just the same as if I was working at home, really. Like it's the same as all other freelancers who work from home. I, I'm. It doesn't really matter if my laptop's in a cafe in in Berlin or on a beach in in Thailand. Like, it's it's all good. I, you know, I get paid through PayPal or or whatever, and it goes into my bank account, and it's it's all good. Like, it and it's quite cool. And like a lot of people say you know are you worried about like the stability of it when you're traveling and i and i actually think that freelancing is more stable than having a full-time job if i could make a metaphor of it of having a full-time income is like having a river that only flows from one source so if the source dries up your whole river dries up and you know freelancing is like having income that flows from 10 different little streams and in then it is the equivalent of a river. But if one stream dries up, then you still have like nine other little streams and you still have like 90% of the water that you did before and then you can find a replacement for that. I love that. That's the metaphor that I think of it as. So it actually, you have more control over it and you have more stability because there's more streams of income coming in.
0: Have you found like there's lots of people you know living that digital nomad in quotation marks lifestyle that you've gone along like is there quite a community or is it you two just doing your own thing
1: well you see in the beginning when we first started like when I was first starting to think about doing this in like 2009 2010 it was really strange and there was a few people before me um, that were doing it and I was reading their blogs and I was like oh my gosh, this is cool. And reading about all the things they were doing. And they had a few, there was a few podcasts out there, but I can only think of one or two. And when we started, when people asked us in hostels or just in the public, so what do you do? And I explained it to people, nobody understood what in the world we were talking about nobody got it and it was really interesting like the kind of odd questions we got and people just didn't understand it nowadays when people ask us what we do and i explain i get way less weird questions i get way more people going oh i get it i've heard of that like digital nomad yep My friend does that or so-and-so I know does that. So it's become way more kind of like normal, (laughs) which makes it easier to explain to people.
0: So it makes it easy to explain. But do you end up living or working with groups of people, that sort of thing at all?
1: No, I've never done that. Actually, that is a thing that you can do. You can actually sign up for these, and they're—I re- think they're really strange. But whatever, <laughs> each to their own. Because I'm quite like introverted when I'm in work mode. I don't want to work in a house with a bunch of other people because that'd be super distracting, and I would get nothing done. Like I really like to socialize when I'm socializing and work when I work. So I'm really chatty when I'm like at the pub. But when I'm working, I've got my music on, I've got my head down, and I don't want to talk to anybody. But there are there are like digital nomad groups you can join and there's like co-working spaces and, and groups. There's like you could sign up for like this program for a year where you go around and you like you live in Prague for a month and then you live in Bali for a month and you live in the same house with all these other people and I just think that sounds like a nightmare for me. <laughs> I would hate that. <laughs>
0: I noticed when I went to your website that you you call yourself on that particular website I was on anyway travel copywriter. So obviously at some point you've recognised I guess a niche that that you have a speciality. Did that help when you started? calling yourself that?
1: Absolutely. Having a niche has helped because travel is something that I have a lot of experience with. You know, I think I'm, I've stopped counting, but I think I'm at nearly 60 countries now and been traveling full-time for like eight years. So it's my area of expertise. And I think when it comes to choosing a niche, you just choose something that you you already know a ton about. And then the client is like more, it will choose you over sort of someone else who doesn't really know that topic too well. Like when I'm writing about travel, say a lot of my clients are tour companies, vacation, rental destinations. They're all within that hospitality industry. They might be like a hotel or like a special, one of my clients offers like luxury train journeys across Canada and things like that. So when I'm writing about travel, when I'm doing the website content or blogs or brochures or things for those clients, I know what I'm writing about. I know what that experience is like, because often I've had a lot of those experiences and I can draw upon that.
0: And so has that helped your business?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's allowed me to kind of increase my rates and charge more because I am an expert in that subject area. And it's allowed me to stand out. I mean, I I know there are other copywriters that focus on the travel industry, but, you know, there's a lot of travel bloggers, but who are trying to make money off their blog by promoting certain products and and destinations as a sort of influencer. But that's that's not what I am. I'm like, I'm writer for hire for the travel companies in the travel industry. So it's it's my own little niche that I found my way into by just doing what what I knew and what made sense and, and what I was good at.
0: It's an interesting point about the you know people making money off their own travels uh, by blogging about it or being on Instagram about it and so on. Is that something you you've been tempted to do or you've tried or?
1: No, because I I could, I could rant for the rest of the podcast about that. <laughs> but the whole travel blog industry is fascinating to me, and. In the sense that I don't know, do you read any travel blogs?
0: Well, no, because I think it would just depress me because I'm—I don't leave much of a five-mile radius of my house <laughs> since since having kids. Do you know what I mean? Like, so so actually, reading those those sites would just make me go, oh.
1: Do you know what? I don't read them either because a lot of them. I mean, there's a there's a few good ones out there, but a lot of them are just there's a certain type of bad travel blog that like I keep seeing popping up around the internet that is like it feels like an advertorial like because they're getting sponsored for this trip so it's like oh I've gone to this resort in Belize but all the blog posts that I write when I'm there are like this blog post brought to you by such and such resort and it's just an advertisement and it's not really telling me anything about what the destination really was like, you feel, you know, the blogger's getting that hotel stay for free. So, you know, they don't want to be that critical about the actual experience of the actual place. So they're just selling it to you. And the impartiality like and the honesty goes right out of it. And so, you know, on our blog, we actually have stopped doing any sort of sponsored content. We don't accept any, we don't make any money off of our blog and we just, do um, like honest opinions and honest stuff from our travels. I've, I've done a couple, like there was one years ago where I got a free stay in this place in Malaysia and I wrote about it. And I was like one of the worst blog posts that I ever written because it just felt so fake. And I didn't feel like I could express my real thoughts about it. And the more I find the more that I express my honest opinion about stuff on my blog, the more I enjoy blogging. So I left the blogging to be completely my own project, and then I make money just off my freelance work.
0: Wow, that is an admiral integrity tick. <laughs> but it's nice because that means that your, your blog then is like a side project, as in a place for you to actually enjoy writing that isn't defined by any client. It's just you doing what you used to love doing when you were 10 and what have you.
1: Exactly. And it's so much more satisfying. And people trust me more too, because they know if I recommend something, or if I mention something, it's not because that business has paid me or given it to me for free. It's because I actually really like that.
0: So do you make any money from your blog at all? As in, I don't know, do you have ads on it or anything? Or do you think, no, nah, I just don't need it?
1: nope, we got rid of all ads. We we used to have a few ads. They, they didn't make tons of money anyway. So we we were just like, let's make it totally free because I actually can't stand it when you go to, like sometimes you go to websites and you're trying to read something and then all these ads pop up in your <laughs> face and you're like, I just want to read the thing. I came here for it. So kind of got rid of them all. And it was a really, it made me enjoy my own blog a lot more. As
0: a writer, as that is your trade, do clients find you via the site or do you point them in the direction of your blog at all
1: Yeah absolutely so like i say i say the blog doesn't make me money itself but it certainly is a fantastic portfolio you know it, when i apply for jobs i'm i'm pitching to new clients i show them my blog and it's been the blog's been going since 2010 it's got like hundreds and hundreds of articles that i've written about travel in you know, dozens of countries. And it's just like a huge resource. And it shows that I've been around the world and I know some stuff. So it's it's pretty great.
0: We'll put a link at beingfreelance.com so you can go through and find what Kelly is up to. Global goose, isn't it? Yes. Out of interest, what, what does your boyfriend do? So since you're both traveling, presumably, like, there isn't a lot of freelance zombie trade in every country of the world. So. <laughs>
1: He doesn't really work as much as me. I'm like full-time freelance and he does some web design, um, but not a lot, like maybe a few contracts here and there. But he's kind of in charge of all the logistics of the travel and he uh, finds his places to stay and finds our way from point A to point B. So he actually keeps quite busy just doing that sort of thing.
0: Nice. So it's like you've not got to worry about that. It's like having an assistant. He probably doesn't like
1: that too. <laughs> well, it does make it really easy because he navigates. And like sometimes I'm so busy with work and then I'm just like, oh, we've got to take a bus to this city and we've got to get to our our Airbnb. And then he's got it all booked and all lined up and I just have to show up and get on the bus and get off and go where we're going. And it makes life really easy. If I had to do the travel side of things and the work side of things, that would be like pretty overwhelming.
0: Actually, it's a good point. Like if you were to give some advice to people like who have heard what you're doing and think, Yeah, actually I'd quite like to give that a go. Like, what would be your advice to people thinking of living that sort of location independent freelancing lifestyle?
1: Oh, I would definitely say travel as slowly as possible. Like travel at a snail's pace because like when I meet people, they're already traveling too fast and they're just on vacation. Like I met this guy in South America and he had come to South America for six weeks. And I said, what are you going to do in your time there? And he's like, oh, I'm going to go to Argentina and Chile and Brazil and this and that. And he listed like all the countries in the entire continent. And I thought, dude, that'll take you like six months. And you're going to try and do it in six weeks. You're going to die of exhaustion you know so just slow down do less go stay places for like a couple weeks at a time get an apartment cook your own meals just kind of live a slow and chilled out life because not only will you enjoy the travel part more but you'll be able to balance it with the work side of things as well while also like not burning out so the, the slower I've been traveling the happier I've been
0: now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself. Make two true and make one a lie and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Kelly?
1: Okay. So number one is I was crowned Miss Tourism Sri Lanka first runner-up 2013. Number two is I ate maggots in the Amazon jungle in Brazil. And number three was while camping in Canada, a bear ate my toothpaste.
0: <laughs> um you ate maggots in the Amazon, like on purpose?
1: Yeah. So we were like hiking in the Amazon. We were staying on this uh, multi-day kind of tour where we went hiking through the the forest. And our tour guide was like, oh, do you, do you guys want a snack? And I thought I was, he was going to give us, you know, some granola bars or something, but He went and took a coconut out of a tree and cracked it open. And inside the coconut, there are all these little maggots squirming around. And the maggots live all their life inside the coconut, so that all they eat is coconut meat. So they actually tasted like little coconut candies. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: It's like a wriggling bounty bar. No.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: You were Miss Tourism Sri Lanka runner-up 2013. What did you have to do to be Miss Tourism?
1: So the way that happened was we were staying on a beach in Sri Lanka and in this resort and we were walking along and we stumbled across this tourism festival and the tourism festival had all these like events that you could participate in and and there was like a piñata thing and there was some weird competitions and one of the organisers came up to me and was like, do you want to be in the beauty pageant? And I was like, me, you joking. And it was like, no, no, just, just join. And, and I was like, okay, why not? You only live once. Right. So I decided to join this be- beauty pageant and they had me in like full, like traditional Sri Lankan outfit and they did my makeup and they did my hair and I was standing up on stage, like waving and smiling and uh, I, was, I was not the winner. I was first runner-up. The winner was this gorgeous Russian girl and just completely fair. Like, she totally smashed it. She was amazing. And then I was, I was second runner-up, and there was a few other girls. There was an American girl, um, just some of the random people that had been just wandering down the beach in, in Sri Lanka on that particular day. <laughs> and a
0: bear ate your toothpaste.
1: Yes. See – If you grew up in Canada, you know that like camping in the Rocky Mountains, like I'm from Alberta, and when you're camping in the Rockies, you got to be really careful about bears at night on your campsite. And so I always knew to get rid of all of my food before I go to sleep. But the problem is, like, bears will be attracted to other things that smell like food. So, like, shampoo or lip gloss or, like, toothpaste, it smells, you know, like it's something to eat. And so I'd forgotten. I'd brushed my teeth at the little – basin thing of of where the water and I just forgotten my toothbrush outside and left it and my toothpaste and then I went to sleep and in the middle of the night we could hear this like rustling and grunting of this bear on the campsite and we were terrified we were just lying in the tent like trying not to breathe trying not to make a sound and you could hear it Rustling around and thank goodness after about five ten minutes, it went away. But then the next morning when we came out and looked around the campsite, it had completely destroyed my toothpaste.
0: I love the thought of a bear being ridiculed by its mates because it had minty fresh breath instead of fishy <laughs> breath, <laughs> like the opposite of what would happen to a human. Okay. I, oh man, you are an excellent liar because <laughs> I am convinced about all of these, like Miss Tourism. I mean, you went you said you were runner up 2030. There were so many facts in there. It felt so real. The bear toothpaste, could that, I mean, you've probably been camping. That could be made up as in.
1: That's life in Canada.
0: Yeah, but this is it. It's like the, the whole bear thing in Canada. That's like a real thing. And I, I remember when I was about 15, we went camping around Alberta and that could easily happen. We were in a, what do you call it? Like an RV camper van type thing. So I, I always kind of felt a little bit safe on this. Somebody had left a tin opener out for the bear. We were going to be okay. Maggots, would you eat, ma- would you eat? I mean, there's a coconut. Why would you not eat the coconut? Why would you eat the maggots? That's <laughs> yeah. the lie. You didn't eat maggots in the Amazon.
1: No, nope, that was very much true. I did. Ah,
0: the bear's the lie. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, <I did>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bear is a lie. Um. My- I'm Canadian. I'll
0: throw in something about a bear. It's either a bear or a lumberjack, and he'll he'll believe me. Oh, <laughs> I believed you.
1: Yeah, you know my like. I remember going camping when I when I took my. English boyfriend to Canada for the first time he was sort of like amazed by the Canadian wilderness and and we did take him camping with my uncle and aunt and my uncle was really clear about like don't leave anything out don't leave any shampoo don't leave any toothpaste and so I would never I would never make that mistake because I've grown up in Alberta and I know do you know what bear spray is
0: <laughs> for for the bear that just wants to look good at night, can a bear feel great too? Yeah.
1: So bear spray is kind of like like mace or a pepper spray that you it's a last resort if the bear is coming at you, then you spray it at them. And yeah, oh um my boyfriend didn't really know that, and so like my uncle gave him some bear spray, and he's like, you know, just in case. And Lee was like, so is it like mosquito repellent? Do I just spray it around myself? And he's like, no. <laughs>
0: if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be
1: oh there's so many things I've learned over the years but what I've realized that has been the most rewarding and empowering has been I think when I was younger I think I thought that if there was this this point that I would reach where it would just be all good and I would just have it all figured out and then I could just coast and rest on my laurels and just enjoy it and of course I realize that that is not true that when you have a freelance career it is like a never-ending ever-growing changing constant project that you are always working on and to see that as a positive to see that as an exciting like empowering like an endless curiosity that you're always a puzzle that you're always solving that is the best kind of mindset shift that I ever made you know when it turn when it comes to freelancing because then it, it became like I don't feel like I'm struggling towards something and then once I get that I'll be happy it's like I'm happy figuring out this puzzle you know and constantly changing it, and constantly improving it and always enjoying what I do. Wow, I love
0: that. Kelly, thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com. Of course, there are so many episodes there, season six and all of the ones before as chronology tends to dictate but of course make sure you've hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast so that you hear what will come next as well also at beingfreelance.com there are links through to what kelly is up to both with her blog and her work and on social and so forth so make sure that you click through and if you've enjoyed this go say hi to kelly on there as well remember very important what bear spray is if we take one thing away and also may i just add because i'm sure many people were thinking this earlier if i were you i would start doing a newsletter printed on dot make matrix paper that tells people what you're up to bit of cat news and send it through the post like i would like i would happily subscribe (laughs) to that now i don't want it as an email though and it has to be dot matrix paper with the little holes down the right hand side
1: yes exactly you know i think i think if you look at my parents basement somewhere there's still some original copies it was called the dunning express (laughs) brilliant i won the darling express (laughs) (laughs) next time i go back to visit my family i'll i'll try and unearth those old copies of them and and post them on twitter or something because it it just really was a a fantastic publication
0: (laughs) yeah i love it uh kelly thank you so much enjoy your travels and all the best being freelance
1: well thank you so much it's been a pleasure